Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our next episode of the EKN Debrief, episode number 14. This is Rob Howden to David Cole once again, cracking out a new podcast here for the EKN Radio Network, of course, launching uh, that network program last week. Uh, exciting for us to get that done and get it rolling. A lot of people have tuned in. Great to get the feedback from everybody as well. So we do thank you for connecting with us, giving us some input on what you like, but what you didn't like, what you'd like to see. Obviously, a great opportunity for us to interview a lot of people in the sport, and I think it's exciting uh, that we're going to get a chance to do that. One of the things we want to talk about here before we get rolling again, just to reiterate what we're doing with the Debrief podcast now moving forward into 2018, new tighter focus. We'll actually be looking just at one event for the Debriefs. We have another show in development that will talk more about what's going on in the sport as a whole, news items, commentary topics. Debrief podcasts are going to be just about one event, the event that David and I were at, single or together. Um, we're just going to kind of go through it, talk about who won races, talk a little bit about an overview, atmosphere, just a chance for us to actually debrief an event. The event that uh, we're going to talk about today, the opening round of the Supercarts USA Winter Series, just this past weekend at uh, Homestead Miami Speedway. Actually, the AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex, presented by MG Tires. We'll get the venue correct. And this week's show is being presented by IAMI USA. Uh, David Cole, I, I, I know you listened in a little bit. You were up in, uh, back up at home in Grand Rapids, chilling out in what was probably beautiful weather, but maybe not as quite as good as we had down in Florida. It was actually, you couldn't ask for much better weather. weather. Yeah, it's not beautiful weather when it's snow on the ground, unless you like skiing or snowboarding or something like that, But or or just, just frigid cold weather. That's all it's been here in Michigan. How many times did you have to, to uh, shovel the driveway this weekend? Uh, actually, not many this weekend. Uh, we haven't. We the snowfall is lightened up yet, so uh, we haven't quite gotten the uh, the amount of snow that we've been getting all through December. But uh, the the temperatures are very frigid, very very cold and windy. So uh, it's not been fun to go outside and get the kids <laughs> off the bus. Uh, again, that's kind of the reason why we do get such. Uh, a group that comes from the north down to these uh, major winter series in the states, in Florida, whether it's Florida or whether it's going to be Arizona and California uh, for the Challenge of the Americas. Just a great opportunity to get out of the cold and get racing again. Because really, uh, this Supercarts USA Winter Series, for all intents and purposes, uh, is a pre is a spring training. It's preseason training for those who are potentially going to run the Supercarts USA Pro Tour. Uh, the level of competition. Uh, at this debut event was absolutely massive. We'll talk that, about that a little later. Uh, but man, what a great weekend we had. A little bit of rain actually on Friday afternoon. It uh, kind of messed things up with the final round uh, of practice. It was a 13-minute extended round of practice pre-qualifying, essentially, that set the race groups in the three categories that had enough that they wanted to split for qualifying. We did get some rain kind of roll in there. Uh, a lot of the guys in the 206 Briggs class didn't even bother going out. Uh, juniors eventually had to go out because uh, in the end, the director of competition, Joe Janowski, did say, listen, we're we're setting the grids of the groups. If you don't go out, you're in the slow that, so, that was one thing that came up uh, as I was yeah, watching. Yeah. Uh, how did they, they split those groups up? Because if I remember correctly, I think that one junior group was like maybe eight seconds quicker than the other junior group. And, and that was a deal. Of course, you know, in, initially – Joe got me to announce on the PA, hey, listen, guys, you have to come out here. Because people were running up saying, hey, let's just go off lat, you know, the last race group, whatever it may be. And Joe said, no, this is pre-qualifying. Get out there and get the job done. So 
of course, we went out there with the the, the, the category, and as you said, David, it split. There was eight to ten seconds, I think, was the split between uh, the two race groups. So again, going to the rule set, I think it's one hundred and one percent. I'm not exactly sure what percent. Scuja does, and they indeed split it so that the one race group was on the inside, one race group was on the outside. So, I, you know, it's anytime you have something like that, you're kind of flying by a wire trying to make sure you do the right thing. Uh, and I think that was the way to go. Uh, great weather overall, though, David. Sunny in 75, just like the country song on uh, on Saturday. A little cooler on Sunday with some wind. But as we all know, the cold weather is coming through essentially everywhere. I don't care where you are. You, you know, you're getting colder than normal temperatures. It was pretty cold in the evening, uh, but nonetheless, uh, a great escape for the racers from the northern states to come on down. Uh, I know that you're excited to get to the Challenge of the Americas uh, next weekend as well, because uh, it's time for you to get out of the, the cold weather as well. Yeah, I was in the Daytona for the uh, WKA race, so it's it's only been what a, you know three weeks that I've been in cold weather for straight. But going back to, you know, before that, it was, you know, Vegas till decent till uh, cart week. So a little bit of a gap. But, uh, yeah, very looking forward to getting down to Phoenix. But I keep looking at the weather and I keep talking about maybe a cold front coming through. And I'm just like, no, come on. <laughs> because if you remember that one time we were in Tucson, everybody had to take their engines back to the hotel because they were afraid of freezing because the temperatures got below the freezing mark. And so I'm hoping, right. I'm hoping that we don't start off the challenge again this year with with another freezing weekend. That was wild, wasn't it? When when and I don't I think it caught a lot of people off guard. They didn't even think about the fact that uh, it got so cold that night in Phoenix that when they got to the racetrack, everything was fine. It warmed up, and the number of guys I want to say it was like water seal a seal in the water system or something like that were popping. Yeah, um, and again in Tucson, yeah. Yeah, the water pump, right? Water pump seal, I believe it was. It was popping because the engine was frozen overnight. You're right. We'll keep an eye on the weather, uh, but it wasn't that bad in Homestead. It was actually, just, it was, as I said, just an absolutely perfect weather-wise Saturday and Sunday. Sunny 75 was 71, I believe, on Sunday. Just, you know, not a cloud in the sky. It was beautiful. Uh, numbers were big. And again, anytime you're launching a new program, you're you're wondering you're you, you try to be optimistic, but then at the same time you got to be realistic. Uh, I think that they the Scusa had around 150 or 160 pre entries uh, when they rolled. You know when they made the trek to, to Homestead, uh, a lot of late entries, uh, a ton of walk ups. They ended up with 220, I think, drivers. Only one driver actually did double duty, and I think that was Billy Musgrave. I think he's the only guy that was doing double duty. Uh, huge numbers in the IAMI classes. You know, uh, almost 20 in micro, 50 at one point in mini, uh, right there around the 40 mark or more mark for X30 junior and X30 senior. And then Masters still slotting in at 17, which is solid. You know, that's, those are good numbers. Uh, stock Honda, of course, uh, not exactly what they were looking for, but not surprising in, in terms of the, uh, in terms of kind of bringing the Stock Honda program and the Scusa program east. You know, there's a good faction of drivers up in the F-Series. There's a number of guys that run 125 in the Indiana area. Not a lot with the stock Honda in Florida. So I think that that's one of the deals. They didn't get a huge run over from, from Texas. Uh, and then, again, a couple of the drivers from the Dallas Karting Complex focused on the tag chassis uh, for this particular weekend. Jake French, Austin Wilkins running the tag, as did Mike Jones, kind of getting a feel for that, that different chassis for, for Sodi Kart as they want to make a push. Uh, with the tag categories. So 24 total, I believe, in the stock Honda class. 
it was it was kind of cool to see some guys come back and play. You know, uh, AJ now came back. We haven't seen him for a number of years. Jason Alden uh, came in, second generation driver. Uh, S four Supermaster. That was fun to watch too. I, I, and there was nine of those guys, and it, it was it was just good racing. Uh, the addition of Briggs two hundred six. Now, David, you saw a ton of guys when you were in Daytona in the Marge Ignite program. First time they've done it for 206. Entry entry fee might have been a bit high, but tons of track time. Uh, 23 entries in total, 14 in senior, 9 in master. But just some great Briggs racing. So all in all, Dave, pretty solid in terms of the the atmosphere and the numbers at the event. And, and you know, Dave, and you'll, you can comment. When you're trying to make a launch of a new program, in a new area. Scusa was there back in the 90s and early 2000s. Then Bill Wright took over, and it was Scusa for a while till the Rotex program came on. It's to have 220, you have to think Supercarts USA would be absolutely stoked uh, with the numbers they were able to, able to get here. Well, I, I think if we started looking at the IAMI pro, uh, program, I think if they would have started this last year, I don't think we would have seen the numbers that they saw this year. I think with the industry the way it was, we had Rotex, we had, we had Rock, we had IAMI. And we had all other things too. I think now that IAMI and, and Rock have, and Vortex have kind of established themselves right now as the two leading engine manufacturers in the United States and North America, period, uh, I think that kind of helps it. And, and, and they're two very similar engine packages. So I think people are able to go back and forth without any issues with going. I mean, I think we're going to see that this weekend where a lot of people that we saw in Homestead are going to be in Palm Beach for the Rock stuff because it's just... It's just a couple of, couple hours up the road, and then all you got to do is swap out an engine, swap out some tires, and you're, and you're good to go. So, you know, in that sense, I think I think that's why we saw the AMI numbers so strong. And, and like you said uh, regarding the SOC Honda program, we just don't quite have the national numbers to 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 be strong. Now, it, now mind you, the, the guys that were down there, I mean, it was a good quality fields. You know, nine in S2, nine in Supermaster, that's great. But again, it's just, you yeah. know, that S1 category that we always struggle to grow at the regional levels. I mean, and, and then in a sense, the, the winter programs, like you said, it's spring training. It's not necessarily a national event, but it is. And, it, and that's where we struggle to, to bring in those pro drivers. And then we've talked about it before with the S4. We're just, you know, we, we got a lot of young guys coming in and a lot of the older guys are waiting till they're 45, I think, to almost just to move into the Supermaster. <laughs> And then also the the other the other issue is is the engine is a lot of people are just sitting back waiting not not looking to spend thousands of dollars on an engine that they're not going to run in a year or two. Yeah, that's that's definitely the case. Knowing for sure that the the new Supercarts USA IME one seventy five is going to roll out here pretty soon, and they actually had the car out there. It was actually uh, Brandon Jarsacrack's shifter chassis, and a bunch of people jumped behind the wheel of it. Uh, Danny Formal. Uh, drove it as well. We'll uh, we'll talk with Danny a little later on here uh, in this podcast. Uh, Riley Dickinson got in it. Jake French got in it. Essentially, any shifter car driver who there wanted to drive it, drove it. And loving the torque of the thing. Again, that's the new motor. And you're right, David. It's brought a little bit of, uh, let's just, what's the word I want to use? Uh, uncertainty to a certain extent. Guys are wondering, hey, when am I going to be able to drive my Honda? Am I going to try to sell the engine? What am I going to do? Stock Honda's not going anywhere. It's going to run all over the country still. And I would assume that the Scusa will have a stock Honda category within the regional program for a number of years where that new IAMI 175 engine rolls out. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but again, uh, that's you're, you're right. You look at the numbers, Dave, where, you know, we didn't have any of the top three drivers from S4. 
you know, Jordan Musser wasn't there. Ryan Kinnear wasn't there. There's lots of guys that didn't show. So again, a brand new program. And as you said, it's not, it's not really a, uh, a hardcore national. I think it will be next year. Uh, the winter, uh, the winter, the Florida winter series for Scusa is going to be big, uh, in terms of momentum and growth. And I, I just think that more guys will start coming down once things get settled in. We'll see what happens. I would love to have seen some of the guys come down from the Northeast to run. Mike Rivera came down and ran, and he and Rod Clenard battled it out all weekend long. Of course, Rod, national number three. So it was good to have Rivera there. Uh, hopefully we'll see some more guys coming uh, in 2000, even Ocala. Not even, let's not even say 2019, but even Ocala will get a couple more drivers come down to shake off the, uh, the dust from, uh, from the offseason. Folks, let's, uh, let's head to a quick break. We got more to come on the other side. We're going to chat a little bit about uh, what happened in the paddock. Uh, there's some cool stuff going on. Again, uh, we'll wrap that up as well with the interview uh, that I had uh, with Danny Formal. Stick with us. More to come on this edition of The Debrief. 220 drivers, perfect weather, and hardcore racing. Supercarts USA is back in Florida and the opening round of the Winter Series was a massive success. The Supercarts USA Winter Series is a two-weekend program designed to offer a fantastic tune-up schedule for stock Honda and IAMI racers on the East Coast. Briggs 206 racers are playing a role in the action as well. Scusa is offering a tremendous prize package to the top three in the stock Honda and IAMI categories, including trips to the IAMI International Final in France, Entry and tire packages for the Supercarts USA Pro Tour and the Super Nationals and the California Pro Car Challenge. On February 9th to the 11th, the Winter Series will head to the Ocala Grand Prix circuit for the doubleheader finale. The championships will be on the line and the lucrative prizes and opportunities will be up for grabs. If you're focusing on a Scusa Pro Tour effort in 2018 or you just want to get out of the cold, get the season started off right at the Scusa Winter Series. Registration for Ocala is open now. Warm weather, great facilities, top competition, and the same Scusa product that is the benchmark for the sport. For more info, head to supercartsusa.com. Cartlift has been designing, engineering, and building innovative cart stands since 2003. Our flagship model Winchlift LT is the motorized workhorse of our cart stand lineup and should be the foundation of your karting program. When it comes to test days or race days, the Winchlift is an invaluable tool that allows you to head to the track to test and tune anytime, knowing that your cart will easily be lifted with the press of a button. Add our innovative winch stacker, and now you can double stack two carts on top of a folded down winch lift, saving space in your trailer or garage. If a lifting cart stand isn't for you, then one of our traditional folding scissor stands, double or triple stacker stands, or upright stand should fill the need. Every one of our cart stands features flat-free wheels and casters and a durable powder coat finish. Check out our full stand lineup as well as our chassis skid plates, tire changers, and accessories at cartlift.com. That's www.cartlift.com. Welcome back to episode number 14 of the EKN Debrief as we look at the Supercarts USA Winter Series. Let's move into Paddock Pass. Uh, David, uh, you know, a, a pretty solid atmosphere in terms of of people getting excited about going racing again. I think a little uncertainty, as we, we already talked about, in terms of the, the stock Honda category. 
but a big rollout for some new teams. Uh, one of the one of the key ones was Parallel. They're obviously making a, a major push here in 2018. They've got a number of great young young drivers in the junior category. Uh, they've got some fast kids, of course, in in micro and mini swift. And then they've got Danny Formal, you know, one of the best shifter car drivers in in the country uh, on the continent. And he was there running the new Parallel in S1. Pretty big roll up for Parallel coming on strong. It, it's a brand that we've seen kind of gradually develop better and better. Uh, we've seen it in Europe do very, very well in the shifter categories. And, and now that they, they've kind of had that development here in the cadet categories, they're kind of moving it up into a full line. Cadet, junior, senior, shifter. So uh, they, they're doing a really good job with yeah. that. Uh, Jim Russell Jr. has been behind it since uh, since the beginning, I think. And uh, he's he's working along with with some of their younger drivers. Uh, Ariel Castro is is developing uh, the the junior and shifter models with uh, with Formal and Matias Ramirez. So uh, it's a it's a good uh, it's a good expansion for that brand. The interesting thing too, of course, there's some guys you don't see on the Supercarts USA event, and to have the Briggs 206 guys there, it was cool to see MGM there as well, the four cycle chassis. Uh, Paul Beist's crew were there. Uh, they did very well. TS Racing was there as well. Uh, the VLR, another win. Uh, Colin Warren actually dominated the weekend, but it was cool to see the, the 206 guys there as well. Uh, overall, the atmosphere, extremely positive. Uh, David, I'm sure you saw the the uh, the aerial shots. They've done a great job with the racetrack. You know, all painted. They've got the, uh, the exits all painted. The curbs are all painted. They've just done a fantastic job. I'd say rebranding the facility as AMR Homestead Miami Motorplex presented by MG Tires. Uh, Eric and the crew down there have done a great job. Well, visually, that's that's what you want. You want it to be to, to catch you. You don't want it to just be, you know, some pavement laid out with a couple barriers and and maybe a flag or two. You want you want it to look sexy. You want it to look in, uh, appealing. You want people to get excited about, oh, my God, this is a, this is a racetrack. You know, it's it's kind of like that feeling you get when you go to Daytona or or Mid Ohio or Road America, you you, you you see you see it, you feel it, and and with karting tracks, it's kind of hard to do that. And I think the way they've kind of gave it a little bit of a facelift uh, kind of helps uh, amp that up a little bit. I agree, yeah, and that and that's a really I like. We always use that word sexy. The track did look sexy. It was cool to be there. It could feel uh, people having having a great time. Uh, a couple new things: uh, brand new podium steps. And a brand new scale ramp set up by Chuck G. Fabrication, the father of Caleb Gaffera, Chuck Gaffera, working with Supercarts USA. Everybody loved the new scale ramp. Just rolled, you just drive right up over top of it, right on. It was actually fantastic. Uh, and again, like we've seen it with WKA, David, uh, the new number system. Uh, a lot easier for me to pick out numbers, <laughs> especially with the split groups, whether it was a 206 with Senior and Master. Uh, big time for the, uh, the, the S1, S2, and the S4 Master S4 Supermaster Group, the the new number system with the new numbers as well. You and I talk all about the fact it's really hard to pick up some of these numbers, and the new system made it easier for me, at least as an announcer, to pick up numbers, and I'm sure it helped as well with corner workers. Well, you hit on two things there, the the Chuck G scales. Uh, WK has been using those uh, for, I think, at least a year now, and so you know he's, he's developed a, a good system there. WK has had no issues with their program. Uh, so it's it's something that obviously is very important, as we saw in X30 Seniors, to have the, the scales working properly. Um, but um, 
But the numbering system, I, I, I believe I saw either Thursday or Friday that they, ha- they still had some people not adhering to the, number, the new numbering system rules, the way the numbers are supposed to look. Uh, what, uh, what was your kind of your feedback on the way looking at the numbers? Cause obviously I wasn't there. It was funny because, you know, people obviously roll in and, and they're going to push, the, you know, they've, they've got their graphic kits already done. They're going to push the, they're going to push the, uh, the limits on it. Uh, you know what the Scusa crew said, no, listen guys, here's the numbers we want. This is what you got to run. And I, I think they gave guys some leeway on Thursday and Friday. Uh, but the focus was to try to get them in the, you know, with the right numbers, uh, for the rest of the weekend, I think as guys start doing their custom graphic kits, you're going to see this thing kind of clean up and be, it'd be nice and smooth. So all in all, pretty solid uh, debut for, with a couple of the programs. One of the things about the Chuck G new scale rips that I was talking to the guys from Scusa, they said, you know, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous piece. Uh, so well made, but it's also, I, I want to say it's like around 700 pounds. Like it's super heavy because it's a big piece of plate of steel, right? Not easy to push up into the, into the trailer. Let's put it that way. I think they're going to have to get a winch for the trailer to get that, <laughs> they get that set up, up, up into the hauler because it's pretty heavy. It's beefy. Let's put it that way. Uh, one thing to talk about a little bit. Uh, they did have an engine claimed. I know, uh, in the X30 junior category, I believe Sebastian Montoya's engine was claimed. Um, I think that's definitely a topic for another podcast, David, uh, because, you know, the bottom line is you get people saying, hey, I thought it was a gentleman's agreement. We're not going to be we're not going to be claiming engines. That's BS. We shouldn't be claiming. But then the reason there's a claim rule is because of exactly that. If there's an engine that's too hot or too good, this is a spec program. If someone's done something super crazy to it, that's not the way it needs to happen. So I, I like the, the claim. I think it's perfect. I think that these guys get brand new motors and away we go. Uh, but again, a lot of talk afterwards and even some heated discussion at the racetrack when that engine was getting claimed. It, and again, I'm still, I'm still kind of on the fence on this. I mean, we have the claim rule in there to, to provide a fair and equal type atmosphere. I mean, yeah. in, in racing, that's kind of what you want, unless you say, okay, I'll, you know, otherwise it's anything goes. Like you, you, you kind of have to be one way or the other, and 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 in today's world, we're we're kind of in a hey, you need to follow these rules. This is the way we're going, et cetera, et cetera. The engines that we're producing are, are very similar to each other. You know, it, it, claim rules are are there to, to 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 get rid of the perception that people have these special motors or are doing illegal things, and. Why not use it? You know, forget the gentleman's rule. You know, no nobody has a gentleman's rule. They may say one thing to one guy, and then they'll turn around and say another thing to another. We we all know that that happens throughout the paddock with whether it's dads, whether it's team managers, whether it's just drivers in general. It's just I I don't understand the uproar about it. Somebody claimed an engine, perfect. Take a new one, go back, develop another one, make sure it's ready to go, and come back to the next race ready to win. And, and David, I think you hit your nail on the head with with the term perception, right? That's what it's really all about. Everybody wants to come in to an event with the perceived understanding that they're on the same playing field as everybody else around them. They you know, they want their chassis and their driver to be able to win a race, not the engine. And I think that's the that's the kind of focused approach that's happening these days. People want to make sure uh, that it's the driver and the, the chassis. They want to have that spec program so they don't have to spend ridiculous amounts of money because simply put, there's guys that are pouring hundreds of thousands of dollars into their, into their programs, whether it's developing an engine, finding that little, little uh, advantage. And that's not really going to be good for driver development. Anyways, it's not going to be good for the perception of having that level playing field. If, if a motor is X amount of dollars, ideally you can pull it out 
bolt it on and go race. Now, yeah, we're going to have guys that are going to blueprint it to a certain extent. They're going to make sure everything's the tolerances are perfect uh, within the rule set. Uh, but again, if you can have that level playing field, that's what people need. And, and again, we've talked about the suitcase motor or, you know, the Rotax Max that was selling for $25,000 each, that the mini motor. If you can have that claim that stops that. If there's an engine everybody thinks is better and Scusa has it in their rule book, they can claim the engine. I actually like Scusa claiming engines. That way you, you pull an engine that's too good. You pull it out of the out of the pool and not just not, not just have it in the pool. So anyways, there was a, a claim, as we said, we touched on a little bit. Uh, overall, David, uh, racecraft, decent in a number of the categories. I'm going to say Micro Swift did it. A tremendous job. They raced hard. Uh, great strategy. Clean racing. Not so much in the X30 senior category, especially on Saturday. The main event was ugly, to be, to be honest. Penalties were flying left and right. Uh, penalties flying for one particular driver in X30 master as well. Joe Janowski, Joe, uh, David actually came out on Sunday and said, you know what? I- I'm going to get a little more aggressive. And on a couple of occasions, he saw uh, a, a, let's say a penalty um, was called in. An investigation was called in. He went and looked at the video, came back out, and threw the black flag on that driver, immediately taking them out out of the race. And I think that sometimes you have to drop the hammer like that. And when he did that, all of a sudden the racing got good. And, again, David, you and I have had many discussions about what we need to do in terms of getting the the racecraft dialed in. Scusa invested in the marshalling system. They didn't go drop-down bumpers or push-back bumpers. Um all in all, Racecraft was bad on Saturday in X30 Senior, but improved for Sunday. Yeah, and again, I'm on I'm, I'm on both sides of the fence on this because I I like the idea of having the video. It's good to review because you know obviously sometimes you you, you know, like we see with the NFL or, or baseball or or this and that you you see something live and then you and you look back at it and it quite not quite was what it not it's not quite what it was that you saw. Um. But again, it all like you said over on the broadcast when I was listening because I actually got to listen to that to that main event uh, while taking a nap, um, <laughs> uh, which, which I might say your, your voice is very soothing. During the red flag, it allowed me to take a quick nap, so it was nice. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that, David. Thank you. So, Thank you. I appreciate. <laughs> but um, it's it, it's you know again it boils down to these drivers. It's you have all all the all these bumpers on on the cart it doesn't mean you can just drive into somebody like you're a nascar or sports car it's it's not that way it just it still boils down to the drivers being respectful of others and not being stupid out there and just drive like you said driving over people for no reason that was that was definitely saturday in the main event they were driving on top of each other track was blocked they didn't even care they just kept on the throttle and as you drive over top of somebody kept on the throttle and the way they went so Again, that, we're going to be talking racecraft throughout the season. Uh, you know, we're seeing people use the the, the pushback bumper. Scoots has got the video. Hopefully, things will continue to go in in the right direction. We'll see. I'm not sure, but uh, we'll cross our fingers that it's going to get better and better. Uh, last but not least, a couple things to touch on in the paddock pass. A little bit of issues with the track limits. It's a parking lot track with you know they've painted the X the outside, so there's kind of a, a track limit paint to the outside. A lot of drivers were getting hit for track limit penalties, kind of rolling too far outside the track, and and that was something that we had dealt with. And, and just the other thing in the paddock pass that we thought was – I already mentioned on it, it was interesting. Dallas Carding Complex, guys, they took a bunch of their top shifter car drivers, Jake French, Austin Wilkins, and Mike Jones, and they ran X30 Senior. Um, 
which I thought was exciting. X30 Master for, for Jones, you know, this the, the single speed class. Just want to do a little more, more work, kind of getting a better feel for the Sodi Kart RS3 chassis. That's their all 30 mil chassis. So the, uh, for a team that really has dominated in, uh, not so much dominated, but have been absolutely ridiculously good in the stock Honda category over, over the last couple of years, winning both uh, national number one plates in S1 and S2 last year. And of course, Super Nats this year in S4 Supermaster with Mike Jones. They just want to make sure they got a better handle on their tag chassis as well. I thought it was an interesting and, and kind of a cool approach with them. Last but not least, to cap off the Paddock Pass, David, uh, they had, as I said, the 175cc IAMI shifter engine out there. They continue to do work on it. Uh, they've got the tunable carburetor, which most drivers I talk to really like that. They love the fact that they're going to be able to tune it. They're not going to have to be changing jets every, you know, every right before they go to the grid. Uh, a lot of guys like that. I've heard negative comments from people online, but all the guys that drove it thought it was pretty cool. I actually had a chance to talk to Danny Formal once he got out of the car on, uh, I believe it was Friday afternoon. Here's what Dan had to say about driving the 175cc IAMI shifter engine. Trackside here uh, in Homestead with Danny Formal. Danny, a chance to drive uh, the new IAMI shifter engine that we're going to see fairly soon in Supercarts USA. It's like uh, AJ Myers out in the cart right now. What are your, Give us your thoughts on driving the thing. What, what's it feel like? Oh, I'm very impressed. Um, I know they've been trying to develop a, a drivable go-kart that lasts a long time, and uh, I think they're they're in the right right direction. Super torquey. Love it. Um, it, it allows mistakes. So people are saying, oh, it's too fast for beginners and just got into S2. No, it's actually going to help them because if you make a mistake, you step on the gas and think, what? You know, it comes out like crazy. So very, very fun. Um, they're, they're, working, they're working on the on the gearing right now. I think it was a little long for, for it. We wasn't really revving. It was revving around 11.8. So I think in your goal was 13,000. Um, oh, no, I'm very impressed. I'm very happy with uh, what they've developed, and I'm very very excited to see what hold the future holds and i uh, hope we we will be able to run that and uh a carburetor that you can actually play while you race driving a shifter so you you could be grabbing a gear touching the needle choking it you know like like a tag shifter and it's awesome i'm very impressed uh they just need to race the weight and have to because you know it's 175 bigger bigger case bigger cylinder so i think if they put 15 pounds more on the, on the scales be three 400 pounds i would say 400 pounds and leave it how it is i'm very impressed very happy and i guarantee you this package would be very close time to casey in vegas thanks a lot thank you danny formal having just driven the iami 175 shifter if your dream is indycar set your sights on the mazda road to indy presented by cooper tires the first step of the ladder system is the cooper tires usf 2000 championship powered by mazda which prepares young drivers for the calculated jump to the Pro Mazda Championship presented by Cooper Tires, where increased power, grip, and aero downforce fast-track your training. The final rung is the Indy Lights presented by Cooper Tires program. The last four Indy Lights champions will be racing in the Verizon IndyCar Series this year, so it's a proven formula. At all three levels, you will race at premier venues on the same weekends as IndyCar. Showcase your skills under the watchful eyes of IndyCar scouts and owners. Former Carters fill the roster of Mazda Road to Indy graduates like Spencer Piggott, Gabby Chavez, Zach Veach, Ed Jones, and 2017 Indy Lights champion Kyle Kaiser. Recent karting graduates like Oliver Askew are in the middle of their journeys as well. Follow in their footsteps. Fulfill your dream. If you want to race IndyCar, there is only one choice. 
the Mazda Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 14 of the EKN Debrief. David and I are focusing and analyzing the opening round of the Supercarts USA Winter Series from Homestead last weekend. Uh, let's jump into the race report, David. Uh, stacked field in X30 Senior. Absolutely impressive. We already kind of reiterated how uh, it was a little ugly on Saturday. Uh, two red flags, uh, not a lot of racecraft, but uh, once we finally went green, the last couple laps were crazy. It got so ugly that Billy Musgrave eventually found himself in the lead at one point. Uh, and surprise, I think he was running a six point, six, six place. Everybody's wrecking around him. <laughs> he comes around across start finish. He actually had this look on his, with his hand gestures. Like, I can't believe I'm leading right now. He ends up winning the race. And I will mention as well that Ryan Norberg was bad fast throughout the day as well. But on the red flag, when they were off the racetrack, he actually picked something up on the tire, cut it and got a flat tire. So he definitely would have been in the hunt, uh, but pulled off just after the final restart. Dante Yu, uh, a guy that we're going to be watching, I think you and I both know, we watched him do so well at the streets of Lancaster Grand Prix last September. Um, he ends up finishing second, but Musgrave comes in late at the scales for a reason that I've never heard of before in my entire life. <laughs> he changed suits for the main, put a different suit on. I think he put his Mad Croc suit on because he's running the Mad Croc uh, in uh, X30 Senior and the Illuminos and Shifter. David, the other suit was too light. It was lighter than his regular suit. He ends up being three and a half pounds light at the scales. <laughs> I, you know, it, I'm, I'm glad he's not throwing his mechanic under the bus, which you can kind of give Musgrave a little bit of credit for that. But in all honesty, we know it's not the suit. I mean, unless he's wearing a triple, triple Nomex, triple layered Nomex suit, it's not three pounds. I believe the official weight was three pounds under. Am I correct? I think what we're going to be doing then, we're going to have to do a, a suit uh, shootout. We're going to see how, how heavy everybody's suits are. Oh, yeah. We, you know, we could we could almost give away an EKN t-shirt for the guy with the heaviest race suit that they use. <laughs> not, and True. we will have to pat, we will have to pat it down and make sure they're not, you know, sneaking in some weights here and there. That's right. That's right. Um, unless that's what he's been doing all year long, because yeah. I, I just it just boggles my mind that you're three pounds light because you changed the suit. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's not throwing his, you know, he's kind of like a NASCAR driver where he's not throwing his crew under the bus, but in all honesty, I think it had to do with the red flag situation. The race being what? 25, was it 25 laps for the, for the seniors? 24, 24, 24. So a longer race than what the pre-final was a longer race than what they're used to. Cause normally they're used to running 20 laps at the most. Uh, so yeah, give it to him for not throwing his mechanic under the bus. <laughs> On Sunday, uh, David, the redemption for Lorenzo Travis Anuto, the driver from the Cart Republic team. Of course, uh, Travis Anuto uh, dominating essentially the X30 senior category, the Super Nationals, uh, ends up not getting the win for a three-position penalty for punching off early before the cone. He comes back on Sunday and dominates again, sweeps the weekend. And to be, to be honest, three straight uh pole positions for Travis Anuto, Supernats, and both days on the pole in the Cart Republic. It was cool to see him get that victory because I think he deserved it. And coming off that tough one in Vegas, to be able to notch that, you know, that win for Cart Republic, I, it was really big for the whole crew. My my only question is, were there any other starting infractions uh, in the weekend in Homestead? 
Uh, there were. There were a lot of starting infractions. Not a lot. So there, there was a handful. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Uh, they actually had Nick Weil out there with a radar gun uh, and a camera. So one of the things they were, they were really focusing on more was uh, the speed. If somebody punched off early, whatever it may be, I'm not a huge fan of it uh, because I think it's tough to say when a guy's firing up, you know. <laughs> If I'm going to roll my personal opinion out, it's just one of those things right now. I think we've made the start so so complicated. It's tough. We've we've almost taken away the advantage of being on the pole. I would rather I would rather start off pole, not get a chance of getting DQ'd for jumping the start. Would, you know what no, I mean? No, I would rather start third because <laughs> okay, for sure because you, you're not you're not in charge of it. You keep your you keep your nose on the guy's rear bumper the whole time. You know because he's the guy that sets the pace. If you're outside pole. Then you're watching you're watching more things because you've got to watch the clock, you gotta watch the flagman, you gotta watch the pole sitter. It's yeah, you're right. We're making this more complicated than it has to be. Yeah, I agree. I, I honestly believe that that make that make that punch off clone a lot longer. Leader's gotta go first. You don't throw if the leader doesn't go first, you don't throw the green. Bring them onto the front straightaway. Give them a give them a bigger gap. And let them go. I really think the pole sitter needs to be able to lead into turn number one. I think it's a given. But nonetheless, Travis Nuttall got the job done. He was pretty solid in the starts uh, and, and did a great job. Uh, X thirty juniors. Wow, uh, forty two of them in the in the field. I every year start of the season. I love to see which juniors are have shown the growth from last year. You know, they they do the one year. They learn quite a bit. And then, because the juniors, as we know, they're right in that, that age where they really start to develop in terms of being young men and women. They get more comfortable, they get more confident. And, you know, we saw Sebastian Montoya get some momentum coming out of Daytona after a win at the Manufacturers Cup. Mike Speed, his crew uh, at Speed uh, Speed Concepts Racing, wow, they were strong. Tyler Gonzalez, Arias Duke Meggia, both right in the fight. Uh, Supercar USA, pole, uh, Supernats pole sitter, Mateus Morgado. Uh, was fast all weekend as well, David. Third on Saturday, but he did get penalized, penalized on Sunday for contact. That was he was one of the guys that Janowski uh, black flagged off the racetrack. But I'll tell you, as this season rolls on, we're going to see some unbelievably good racing up front in the junior category. Their racing, their, their racecraft actually wasn't wasn't bad. It was it was I enjoyed watching some of those races. They were great to watch. And again, as you know, just some amazing young drivers coming up. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think as the year goes on, you'll be able to start to see some of the uh, junior rookies step up and be able to join yeah. some of these guys who uh, who have the experience already. Uh, so that'll be interesting to watch as the season, season progresses. Agreed. Let's move to X30 Master. And uh, one driver, probably the most penalized driver on the weekend, Rodrigo PK, was, was unbelievably fast. fast. Easily the fastest guy in the X30 Masters category. But he just kind of needs to focus on that racecraft a little bit. Uh, I think five penalties, which lost him both races. Uh, two for contact oh, this was over the weekend. Two for contact, uh, one for jumping the start, and two for blocking. <laughs> he won both races, but the penalties dropped him back. Uh, in the opening race, he was battling with Scott Robertson, got into the back of Scott in the last corner. Easy easy call. Just got into the back of him. Scott got spun off, in the, off the track. You know he's going to finish behind him. That was the first one. Uh, and Renato uh, Renato David got the win on Saturday. Derek Wang ended up winning on Sunday. Had Jake Craig actually on the wrenches. Uh, Wang wins on Sunday because, again, PK with a couple penalties ends up getting bounced down to, I think, fifth or sixth. But it's, you know, I kind of figured he would have learned on Saturday. Not so much. No, not not so much. I, you know, it's very interesting to see how this X30 Master category has developed because we're starting to see, like even two years ago, we saw penalties decide who won in uh, at the Super Nationals. 
You know, now we're, we're yep. seeing it at the Scusa Winter Series. I'm sure we're going to see it a lot more. I think on the on the Pro Tour. I almost want to think it's just because the comp- the category has become so competitive. Uh, there's not a lot of gap between the front runners and the mid packers anymore. It's it's there's a lot of guys that are within striking distance that uh, you know maybe it kind of threatens some people to where they don't think when they get the helmet on. <laughs> uh, maybe that's the case, but we always looked at X30 Masters being the guys that. Are- a little more experience in terms of age and life, and you know they got to work on Monday, so you know they're not going to want to wreck each other. That always doesn't play uh, at the at the racetrack. Once you put the visor down and get the red mist, I think everybody uh, can sometimes make some mistakes. Moving to Micro Swift, we'll go Micro and Mini. Uh, Micro Swift category. I'm, I'm going to say this right now: they were the most impressive for me all weekend long. Great racing uh, throughout throughout the field. There was battles everywhere, and it, like it always happens in, in the Micro category. There'll be four or five up front, and there's you know, another group of three, and guys end up racing together. The four and five drivers that are in the battle for the win each day, man, it was just fun to watch. You just never knew who was going to get the victory. They were all being you know really strategic in where they wanted to be on track. They were picking their passes. Uh, it was just super impressive. Uh, first day on Saturday, Max Garcia actually gets the win. Hometown boy, actually the son of uh, Miami, Homestead Miami Speedway Vice President of Operations, Al Garcia. I had a chance to meet them, meet uh, Al and and Max talking with uh, Packy Wheeler at, at the Bell Helmets uh, truck, the support truck. Great young kid, but he sat fourth, David, for the majority of the race. And then as the things, you know, laps wound, wound down, picked his way forward and got the win. Uh, other guys in the hunt, you know, Danny Zelski was fast all weekend. Caleb Gaffera. Uh, will be in the fight. Parker DeLong, I think this is more track time. Parker's going to be good. He was super fast, but just a couple little mistakes here and there once he gets racing more. Uh, I think Parker's going to have a better feel. Uh, ben Mayer, of course, always fast. Stepped up on Sunday with the win. Uh, exciting last lap battle with Gaffera. Uh, truly some impressive young drivers coming up. And you get, you get to see it everywhere you go, David, as well. The level of racecraft we see in the microclass, seven to ten years of age, Absolutely blows me away. Well, I, I yeah, they they're good because they understand if I'm getting passed, oh, I'm not going to slam into the guy next to me. They let him go and they go, okay, I'll pass him in the next corner. Yeah, you know, they 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 at least have the 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 sense of of I'll get him at the next corner. The, you know, not to not to push something to the limit to where it's going to take you or another guy out. Uh, it, so they they don't they didn't have they haven't quite gotten that. They probably get it when they get towards the end of their mini mini careers, but uh, hopefully, hopefully it'll stop. Yeah, we'll see with that. But uh, <laughs> no, but for uh, for Ben Mayer, that's three wins in four races if you count uh, the WKA races. So he's starting off the 2018 season with a, a pretty strong uh, resume. Yeah, no doubt about that. He looked good all weekend long on the nitro cart. Uh, moving to Mini Swift, huge grid, forty nine carts. I think we started with fifty at one point, but forty nine carts taking the green for the mains. Uh, Nikita Johnson with a big win over Connor Zilich and Lucas Rodriguez uh, in the first race. And I got a chance to call because obviously some issues in the pre finals. So if you had that issue, you were starting so far back. I was calling Brett Cruz coming through the pack. He started forty fourth, David, up to twelfth uh, for the for the final. And as you know when you're a front running guy with that kind of speed, getting from 44th to 24th is usually a couple, three, four laps. You know, guys get themselves forward so quickly. Uh, Near the end, when you're passing faster guys, it's tougher, but Cruz tremendous run for him to get up to 12th position. Yeah. It's nothing we haven't seen from him. You know, obviously he's the uh, IAMI international final 
title uh, champion from yep. uh, over in Le Mans, France. Uh, so, it, you know, he's he was up there at the Super Nationals. He's won, he's won at USPKS. He's won at WKA. He's won pretty much everywhere he's gone. So, uh, you know, to see him drive that way, you know, he, 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 he has the racecraft. Like he knows if he's, if he's, if he's behind the eight ball, he'll, he'll find his way forward, uh, with, with racecraft for sure. And I, and I like that, right. That's, you want to see the kids understand when they're coming from the back that they don't have to be crazy. And again, you and I have said this before. I love it when guys have to start at the back of the pack. Maybe they're used to winning races, but they get a chance to really do a lot of passing. And I think that's a good learning experience for those young drivers. Um, who else do I want to mention here? Uh, Sunday, great racing on Sunday as well. Uh, again, really good race craft. Carson Morgan ended up getting the win on Sunday, which I think was solid for Carson to be able to come back after the issues uh, that we had in uh, in Daytona. I mean, rather in, in Las Vegas uh, with the engine tech issues. So good for him and his confidence and to, to reestablish that he has this, the pace to run up front. Last but not least, a mention goes out to Alex Powell. Got to give him some props as well. I think he passed a total of 54 or 55 positions in the main events on the weekend. So good job for Alex Powell, another one of the speed concepts racing guys. And and, and he, he had his work cut out for him, David, in both of the main events. Coming from the back like that, I don't think he's going to want to do that every weekend. No, I think that's when you look at the uh, the notes and it says – Improve on pre-finals. <laughs> That's right. Qualify better. <laughs> or qualify better. Exactly. Yeah. All right. We got uh, more race report coming up here, folks. Stick with us. More to come here on the EKN Debrief. From coast to coast, Miami has become the two-cycle engine of choice for American karting. Starting with the air-cooled 60cc Swift engine and moving through to the incredible X30 power plant, Miami is providing much-needed stability for the sport. The Swift and X30 engines are the backbone of the Supercar USA Pro Tour and Pro Car Challenge Series, as well as the USPKS, the Route 66 Sprint Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup. We're thrilled to introduce the new Miami KA100 Rejet engine with a special introductory price of just $16.95 until the end of February. The new engine is getting rave reviews and will be part of the USPKS, Route 66, and WKA Man Cup programs in 2018. Watch for more regions of the country to get on board with this new formula. We have two distribution centers in the U.S. to serve you well. Miami East in Mooresville, North Carolina, and Miami West in Temecula, California. The momentum is continuing to build, so it's time to make an investment in stabilizing your engine program. For more information on Miami, head to the website for your region. MiamiUSAEast.com or MiamiUSAWest.com. Welcome back, uh, race fans. Uh, episode number 14 of the EKN Debrief. Uh, Rob Howden alongside David Cole as we analyze the Supercarts USA Winter Series opener, the inaugural program getting rolling at, in Homestead, Florida last weekend. Let's uh, roll into some of our shifter categories here. Riley Dickinson, David, and, and Robert Heck Jr. making S1 debuts. We talk about the fact that S1, we're trying to see it grow and get more drivers to come in. Well, we look at S2 from last year. National number one, Dickinson coming up. Robert Heck's moving up. Uh, Kyle Wick moved up at the Supernats. Uh, I, you know, in talking to Colin Daly, I think he thought about going for the championship in S2 this year. But I spoke with him, David, at the end of the weekend. And now uh, Colin, who races for DRT Racing on the DR card, I think he's thinking about potentially moving to S1. He had a great battle on Sunday with Danny Formal, 
Formel wins the the main event on Saturday on the Peril and Shifter. Obviously huge for Peril and the whole you know AM racing team. Uh, Billy Musgrave had some issues uh, as there was four drivers in the S1 category. Uh, but on Sunday, Musgrave comes back for the win. But Colin Daly fought it out with Danny Formal. That's got to that's got to do something for a guy's confidence. Oh, definitely boost his uh, his confidence. But again, those guys have have kind of raced together when they were both on DRT racing, so they kind of understand one another. But obviously, Daly has has kind of stepped up his game little by little. Uh, he won at the Winter Nationals uh, last year yeah. in S two, but uh, it wasn't didn't do a full season. So, you know, I think he's just gaining more and more confidence. And, and may, maybe your talk will convince him into, uh, into going to S1 once the Pro Tour hits. Yeah, it was, it, I didn't try to convince him. It was his idea. I was, <laughs> I was under the impression he was running S2. And he said, that, you know, I, I might go S1, which I think would be great. I really want to see the top drivers, top four or five or six from S2, move to S1 every year. That's the development you need to have. If you're quick, you should do it. Uh, overall in S2, a uh, pretty solid S2 group. Uh, Rory Vanderster, he's really stepping up. He's going to be a, ch- a championship challenger for sure. Pedro Lopez was quick. Daly, as I said. Uh, Blair Hosey, the driver on the Alpha Cart, uh, was fast. The driver out of Texas. Uh, again, after Daly's win on Sunday, pretty impressive. Rory Vanderster winning on Saturday. Some good racing in S2. Uh, only two drivers in the S4 category, but again, second-generation driver Jason Alden coming to play. AJ now comes back after, what, four or five years off the circuit. They end up splitting the wins. In uh, in Supermaster, though, Victor Jimenez, uh, driving for Allison Performance Group on a Tony Kart, David, flat-out impressive. In fact, you know, held off uh, Danny Formal for a long time. Rather, held off uh, AJ Nowd for a long time in that race and was actually able to hold him up to get the overall victory as well. Now ended up finishing second. Jimenez, just super strong, very impressive in Supermaster. Well, it's good to see uh, his development get getting stronger. I know he's been with the RPG group for a while now uh, on the uh, pro tour level. Uh, so it's definitely good to see that uh, the hard work's been paying off. Yeah, for sure. Rod Clenard, national number three, uh, came to play with the CRG Nordam and looked good. Uh, he battled early with Mike Rivera, but was able to stretch away a bit. Rivera on the CKR chassis. Again, uh, one of those guys we love to watch come run, just a, a hardcore gearbox racer. Uh, so Rivera uh, got a couple third pl- uh, positions. Podium was the same uh, for both races. Jimenez with the win, Clenard uh, second, and, and Rivera third. Uh, Briggs, though, you know, it's it, it was a late addition to the program, the Winter Series. It, a lot of Briggs drivers, they got 40 or 50 Briggs guys down at the South Florida Karting Club that runs at Homestead. Really starting to get some some momentum for Briggs in South Florida, which is great. Uh, and and the, not surprising, you know, we're Florida. Number of drivers from Canada coming down to, to race as well, which was good. Colin Warren, as I had said, David, dominating on his TS Racing VLR, won both races. Uh, the In the Masters category, Mark Julian and Eli Yanko, uh, the Canadian, swapped the, uh, the top spots. Julian, actually the president of the uh, South Florida Kart Club, I believe, Masters drivers had a lot of fun, but it's just good to see, again, the cross-section, David, of the chassis. We know we see it. VLR, Tony Kart, Burrell, uh, MGM drivers were there. A uh, couple drivers on top carts, I believe. It was fun to see the different the different carts that were there. And it's good to see you know some of these guys get to race on the same stage as as the uh, Scusa guys as well. Uh, it's, you know, a lot of people kind of – look down at, well, they, we shouldn't have Briggs racing at, at, at a national event. Well, again, 
it's technically not really a national event. Yeah, there are drivers from all around, different countries, different states, different provinces, everywhere. But it, it it's just giving giving some of these drivers the opportunity to come and race at a professional program. A lot of these racers just race the club races. And if a national professional series comes to your area, you should take the opportunity to go and race with them. Whether it's with whether it's SCUZA, whether it's WKA, whether it's a Can-Am up in the Pacific Northwest or Texas Pro, Pro Kart Challenge down there or the F-Series up there or or the Route 66, go, go do it. Don't just say, ah, you know, I'm going to get beat up or, or, or I, you know, it's, it's not that much more to do it. Just go do it and have fun with it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, David. I think that, you know, you and I have talked about everybody. We, we don't want to see Briggs as, as a national traveling series. That's not what it's for. You don't want to spend more money traveling than you do in your entire racing budget. But to have these series like the Scusa Winter Series, like the uh, the Streets of Lancaster Grand Prix, some of these events where they add Briggs as kind of a local option class, it really it ends up being a major event for these guys. You know, they're going to run their regular clubs, but they come out to a huge event with eCardi News coverage, uh, live you know live play by play, Supercarts USA staffing the whole thing, and just the level of event is massive. And I think. Like you said, your invitation to everyone. If if it comes to your city, do it. You know, when Can Am, the Can Am Karting Challenge comes to your local track, go run it. Enjoy that level of event and that racing and this that atmosphere. And I think that's a big thing. I, I know when I first started racing in the nineties, I did the same thing. I would I ran club, but I would go to the the, the big regional series when we had our big. Barry Grand Prix street race. I made sure I was going to go there because that was that big thing for me each year. And I think that a lot of the guys came out, the feedback that I got was they really enjoyed it. They enjoyed being at the Scusa event. It was something fresh and new for them. And I, I think we'll see more guys coming to Ocala as well. I know the Canadians had a great jo- uh, great time uh, coming down as well. All right, let's get let's cap things off here. We're uh, ready to rock and roll and, and finish up this edition of the Debrief. Let's have a quick look at the EKN Trackside Live race calendar brought to you by Comet Racing Engines. History, success, family. Those are three words that just describe Comet Kart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation is located just outside Indianapolis, and they have provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers throughout their near six decades of business. Visit the store in Greenfield, the shop at Newcastle Motorsports Park, or order online at CometCartSales.com. David, I mentioned many times during the broadcast that you know, Daytona is kind of the first race of 2018, the last of 2017. Homestead, of course, into 2018 that we're going to be doing, what, between 22 and 26 ECAN trackside live races this year. It is going to be, uh, it's going to be a fun year, but it's going to be a busy year. Oh, uh, 20, I think 26 is the low end. <laughs> if you, uh, yeah, if you start adding them all up. Uh, some yeah, of the ones that you go to, some of the ones I go to, uh, some you know, and of course the ones that we go to together. Uh, it, it's definitely going to be be a busy year, and we finally get to start off 2018 together uh, when we make our our trip to uh, to Arizona and meet up uh, with the Saisman and his crew. Yeah, Challenge of the Americas getting kicked off uh, January 26th, 27th, 28th at the Phoenix Kart Racing Association uh, in the north part of uh, of Phoenix up in Glendale. It should be an interesting event. Of course, a a new era uh, for uh, Andy Saisman and the whole Challenge of the Americas. David, I had the the podcast, the Industry Insider, with Andy. It should be interesting to see how the Rock Cup program 
will will kind of break loose uh, in the southwest part of the United States. There's factions down in Southern California that are running the rocks. I'm up in Northern California. They're doing a little bit of rock racing as well. It'll be really interesting to see what kind of traction the challenge can get coming out of the box uh, in, in about a week and a half. Well, not not to mention the rock, but they also have a big following now with the Briggs program. Uh, Andy's yeah. Andy's provided a, a you know again, it's not a championship class. It's it's a one off. It's it's for guys to just either go go to one weekend or they can go to all three weekends. And we're getting guys yeah. coming down from Canada to come race there. You know, we're getting guys from Utah and Colorado to race both rock and and Briggs stuff there. So um, you know that you know again. When you get a big, big uh, program like that coming into town, so what if you just have a Briggs? There's a class for you. Go race it. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to uh, to Phoenix. And how good was the racing? You ran in the in the Briggs race last year. Man, it was fun. It was big field. You guys were battling it out, and a great track for Briggs as well. And you're right, 500 bucks to win in the Briggs category. It's not a full season. Every race is a one off. So you you can show up at. At Phoenix, you can come to Cal Speed in February. You can come to Sonoma in April, whatever it means. Just come out and have some fun. Another great event, not packed full of classes, just a good, cool event. Challenge of America is always doing a great job again, uh, January 26th to 28th. Uh, fast forward a couple weeks after that, and I'll be heading back for the finale, the next, the second double header of the Supercar USA Winter Series at Ocala Grand Prix, the north up there midway through the state. Ocala Grand Prix, fantastic facility. That's February 9th to the 11th. So that's our EKN Trackside Live calendar brought to you by Comet Racing Engines. David, let's uh, let's wrap things up here. Bottom line, 220 entries, uh, some great racing. As usual, you know, some hiccups, not so much hiccups, but battling with some on-track issues. Nonetheless, a great start for the Supercarts USA Winter Series program. It is. It's, you know, it, it it surpassed my expectations. I was thinking 150 entries. Uh, that was about the number I thought would have been a successful event. And and they 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 definitely surpassed that. And so it kind of goes to show that, the you know, the, the karting industry is doing really well right now. You, you got to make sure you, you cover all your bases. But, uh, you know, karting is doing really well. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue when you when you have two hundred and twenty at this event, and uh, the pro tour is going to have two hundred and fifty, whatever it may be. Uh, that that particular component of karting again, we're not going to say the entire sport when you, when you're looking at Scusa or any of the other programs. It is that kind of smaller, top level, national, regional level of the sport, but it's pretty strong. You know, you've got great numbers, you got record numbers on the on the national circuit. There's a good core group of, of racers that want to go racing at that level. Other regions, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see regionals as we get rolling some of the smaller regionals we're going to see the, the clubs we got more stuff with the operation grassroots podcast we're going to talk to some of the uh, the club presidents that are making it work that, that briggs has really helped so all in all i believe i believe the sport's in a pretty good spot there are detractors that say it's not uh but again they're trying to look back 10 15 years and, and trying to relive the, goal, the old days and that's just we're going into a different direction with a different mindset, with a different really approach to the sport. So the bottom line for Supercarts USA, very important to grow their brand and program east of the Mississippi. Miami actually obviously strong with USPKS and the Manufacturers Cup and other programs like the Route 66 series. The Miami program is strong. Stock Honda needs a little more help, but again, uh, looking forward, we may find ourselves with a, uh, we will find ourselves with a new engine package rolling out here over the next couple of years. All in all, David, a pretty good race. Uh, it would have been great to have you down here there with us, but uh, 
you and I getting set to go to Challenge in America. So we're going to get to a great racetrack and hang out with uh, some cool folks in the paddock. And uh, we get some in and out burger, which is good. Yeah. One of these years, I'm going to make it to Homestead. I've never, I still have never been there. So, you know, I don't know how, but maybe next, maybe I'll have to go to next year. I, I don't know how it's going to work, but uh, maybe you'll go to Daytona and I'll stay home. <laughs> you know what? Homestead was actually my second. No, I'm not going to Daytona. Oh, maybe I will. Maybe I'll race it next year. But Homestead was my second ever shifter race. My first one was at uh, in Naples, Florida. Uh, tiny little track, but I actually, I actually ran my 125 sh- uh, shifter in the S3 rookie class of the Florida Winter Tour. I think it was 2000. It was fun. Good time. So so has has Homestead really changed at all since then? You mean the, the track and the city? Well, kind of both, you know. Well, the city's grown up to a certain extent. There's a lot more... Uh, a lot more businesses, more hotels, that kind of thing. Uh, track, it's the track layout's almost exactly the same as it was when I when I raced there uh, back in two thousand. I I personally love the track. I love the flow over. I love the I love the layout. I just I dig the racetrack. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, as you'd said before, the new management there has made it nice and sexy. It it looks pretty cool, and I think they're only going to do more and more stuff with it. So I, I think things look good for karting in South Florida and. And we'll see again. I think they're going to have a good week, good ratio as we get to, to get this thing up on the ECAN radio network. They're going to have a, a pretty solid rock weekend here as well uh, at Palm Beach. So, again, winter series are important to the sport. They, they uh, pump money into the industry itself. They allow people to get racing. People want to race. I know people people kind of <laughs> discuss that. People want to race. And I think the Scusa Winter Series and 220 people prove that fact. They simply want to go racing you got to give them the opportunity to do that what now now i agree with you on that now what about the track wise because it just seems like it's it, the track it's do you think guys were maybe over driving it because it's an easier track to drive being it's flat it's 90 degree or 180 degree corners uh you know what, what what's your thought on on the track itself just i'm just throwing uh, it out there no, no, I'll give you a couple of things. It was really interesting. I had a really good talk with Joe Janowski about one particular concept, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll roll that out for you. But first and foremost, any time you have a track like this where you're able to run off track limits, because it's a, a full parking lot, you, you've got to stay on the racetrack. So perfect example, turn one at, um, at Homestead, very similar to turn one at Newcastle. When you, use, you, know, when you go, come down the straightaway for the left-hander in front of the, the Champions Club, it's a 90-degree corner. And it's a fast 90-degree corner. Well, at Homestead, if you overcook it, you just go over top of the rumbles on the other side, which is still concrete, right, or, or pavement. And, yeah, they have the paint on there. And, and at the end of the weekend, you're allowed to go to the, the second white line. But track limits allow guys to just absolutely roll it out there. You do that at, at Newcastle, and you're sliding off in the grass. You know what I mean? You're losing four, five, six positions because you're four wheels off of the grass 15 feet off the racetrack. You can go 15 feet off on the track here, which I think you're right. I think makes guys maybe overdrive a little. One of the interesting things, and it, and Joe Janowski brought it up in a chat that we had on Saturday, and it's so interesting. It comes down to the track layout, the track design, and the ability for any driver to make one move. We always talk about the fact if you're leading, you get one move. Well, at the hairpins on the racetrack, so let's say you come out, turn one's a left-hander. Turn two is a quick left-hander, and turn three is the right-hander that leads down to essentially two long straightaways with hairpins. Mm-hmm. All the way down, turn four, turn four is a hairpin, all the way back down to turn five is a hairpin. When you come out of turn number three, as you go wide to go down the straightaway, you're already on the inside of the track. 
So all you've got to do is drive all the way down the inside, and then before you set up for the corner, you come back out and make your make your turn. You're allowed to make the move going into the hairpin that allows you to block all the way down the straightaway because you're allowed one move. Well, the one move, it's, it says subtracts where you, where you go all the way to the outside and then come back to the inside. You can't go back to the outside. The exit of three and the exit of four down to five, you're already in the defensive position. So you're allowed the move to come back out to set up. And what it did was in both of those corners, if a guy sticks to the inside, it really stacks things up. And it makes it a little bit tougher for a guy to make a pass. And therefore, guys start getting a little more anxious. And that we saw that a lot. More in turn number five than four, because it's a really, really slower exit coming out of five. A lot of guys would get in there and be kind of battling away on it. And we had a lot of contact. So what you're saying are two things. One, we need grass down there. <laughs> True, yeah. We need them to tear up, tear up some of the concrete, put in some grass there on the exits. And two, we got to get rid of the 180s. <laughs> I love hairpins, though. They're a blast. Hairpins are awesome. Hairpins are awesome. All right, folks, we're going to cap things off. That is it. We are done for this particular edition of the EK and Debrief on behalf of David Cole. This has been Rob Howden. Stay with us, folks. Lots more great stuff to come on the EKN Radio Network.